Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black. Oh, you're not. Talking all things financial money invested more. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about money investing and more. The stock market is doing what the stock market does. We're heading towards February. That's kind of interesting, right? How fast that turned up. And it's moody right now. Some days we seem to get mired down that you know the Federal Reserve is going to have a meeting this week. Some days we get a little mired down in the shutdown and how much it's going to cost, which we start starting to see some numbers. $11 billion. And a cut in GDP this year. NVIDIA came out and said, yeah, we're having a bad quarter in China. Yeah. That stock's getting hit pretty hard today because of that. So why do you pay attention to politics? Well, now you know, right? NVIDIA's taken a beating uh, because of President Trump and China not being able to hammer out a, a relationship so on one hand, you, did you like the product? Did you like the momentum? Did you like the technology? Their chips are going to be in computers, and they're going to be a big part of artificial intelligence. It's going to be a big part of you know cars on the road and their ability to drive mobily <coughs> unassisted from a human driver. If you liked it then, do you like it now? Today it's cheaper. But they've cut their numbers pretty aggressively from $2.7 billion in revenue. Whoa, down to two point two billion. That's a big number. Whoa. Whoa. And to blame it all on China? Well, they didn't blame it all on China. They talked about data centers. But they essentially blamed it all on China with extraordinary, unusual turbulence and disappointment in the recent quarter, they said. Woohoo! You can buy deep fried Oreos at Sonic. What is the investment angle in buying deep-fried Oreos at Sonic? Uh, healthcare. <laughs> healthcare. Diabetes. Right? Am I right? Come on. I need it. I need it. Right? Right? Good. Thank you. I've got some sort of, some sort of misdiagnosed problem in my head, and sometimes I have to talk to the, my own radio show. So, right? Right? Right. Now I can move on. So Sonic is going to do deep fried Oreos. And yes, 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 it's going to cause America to get fatter. As we slowly move towards like, ah, we just don't care anymore. I'm just going to eat deep uh, fried Oreo. I'm actually thinking about going to sweatpants. Sweatpants, a sweatsuit, a tracksuit is like you've given up on life. I'm just thinking tracksuit. And I can eat all deep fried Oreos that I want. Burger King released funnel cake fries last week. Literally, you can hear the four horsemen going, oh, no. We got to go and destroy the civilization again. 
they're firing up their 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 oats. Sonics treats cost two dollars and ninety nine cents, and that's not the, the the worst part about it. It's that you don't need to deep fry Oreos with a perfect batter and fried and served with Sonics vanilla ice cream that probably doesn't have any cream in it. Ah, oh, that's all I got for you. That is all I have for you, fried Oreos. And you invest in U.S. healthcare, in my opinion. And you understand why insurance companies win, right? You may live to 92, but your friends who are eating deep-fried Oreos probably won't. So that's a big story out there. Dogs. Oh, dogs. Love them and hate them, right? Man's best friend, Vishla, best breed ever. Good girl, good girl. When they show you their belly and they're like, oh, you're the best animal ever. Until they break a leg and you start learning how expensive surgeries are on animals. And you start going, I don't know. So if you have a dog with a broken leg, it's going to cost you easy $2,500. But there's also more and more pet insurance. And you never know if you're going to need it or not, but you can buy it when they're young puppies. So... There's a company called Pet First, and pet insurance is now a billion-dollar industry. That's worthy of note, right? The, the rise of pet insurance tracked the overall pet industry, which has soared from $17 billion in the mid-1990s to $72 billion today. This, this phrase has been uttered in my household recently. The dog has enough dog toys. No more dog toys. And that's why we've spent $72 billion as a nation. Because we love our four-legged buddies. Keep in mind, the number one claim on your homeowner's insurance is a dog bite. Taking your dog off-leash in front of kids is kind of nuts. One good investment is dog training, right? Um, so there's things even for you know dog car safety seats, refrigerated foods. They've got Fitbits for dogs and cats. And they've got treadmills for dogs and cats. These are all things you can get. You can look at the fashionable jackets and go, that dog's dressed better than me. You've got to be kidding me. In vet medicine in the last 20 years, they're now starting to do MRIs, chemo for cancer, aqua therapy, cataract surgery. God, it's so funny. Remember in the 1980s, comedians could almost say anything? I don't know if they could do that anymore. I remember some comedian talked about... Asian people in the way they speak saying the word cataract sounds like Cadillac. So the comedian did a whole he did a whole skit singing, I think it was Pink Cadillac as an Asian and I don't think he could do that anymore. That is not appropriate behavior, okay? If you ever take a look at a chart on pet spending it's done nothing but go higher. There are some things, there are some investments in dogs and animals. Um, obviously, big pet stores. That's going to be a little bit tougher because they kind of run up against some uh, uh, kind of acreage, kind of real estate problems. But VCA Antec was publicly traded, and it, its stock would, did nothing but go higher. Um, it's worthy of note. It's not something to get so caught up in. It's like, oh, i got to figure this out right now. But uh, Americans spend more and more on their pet each and every year. How does it make you feel when you stop and think about it in that kind of term? 
you could see the revenue growth each and every year. As an investor, what do you want to see? What do you want to see? What do you want to see? Caterpillar gave a disappointing outlook. I think that's coloring the market today with kind of gray clouds. Then NVIDIA said China really did hurt as a quarter. And I think that's hurting, giving some more gray clouds. So it looks like a little bit of a storm might be brewing. When Americans stopped buying homes in 2018, existing home sales fell 10%. Oh, I'm feeling kind of smoky. I know you're saying, what's that mean? I don't know. I'm going to say it enough times and you're eventually going to say, me too. I'm feeling kind of smoky. Follow me on robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. YouTube, Rob Black Show. Watch me on Cron 4 TV at 9.15. You can find it online if you want to see me. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black. Welcome in. Happy, 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 joy, joy. Another day, another market dollar, right? A lot to talk about in a good way. Um, after the weekend, you get you know the bombshells that start falling. Uh, the, the news that hits over the weekend, you, there's some repercussions. Stock market closed last week on a high note. Not necessarily a good week, though. In large part, we closed higher on... Hey, the reopening of the government really is going to happen. And government's open for business for three more weeks, but a lot more like confusion starting to kind of creep back into that already. So the stock market took a little bit of a, a, a breather and said, okay, well, so we got three weeks to work with. You know, people are going to back pay. It'll probably be spent kind of thing. No harm, no foul, except for we lost a lot of productivity, which is something no one ever talks about. Dow component Caterpillar uh, was disappointing. So as far as their guidance goes, President Trump thinks there's a 50-50% chance of Congress reaching a border security dealing uh, for funding by February 15, which could lead to another partial government shutdown. I don't know. <laughs> you know. Do I comment on that or do I just keep just moving forward? So a lot of earnings this week. That's what I'm going to be flirting with. That's what I'm going to be doing after hours, so to speak, when the conference calls and the earnings reports start hitting about 1 p.m. Pacific time. Conference calls fire up around 2. Um, that's what I'm going to be paying attention to. There's a huge, huge, huge batch of earnings this week. Nearly half the Dow Jones Industrial Average components uh, posting their, their, their fourth quarter, their December quarter. That's a big quarter. Ho, 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 who would it go? UK Parliament vote on Prime Minister May's Brexit plan. That's Tuesday. Monday, Tuesday, happy days. Wednesday, we get the FOMC policy meeting. And then you get Fed Chairman Powell. They're going to put him in a tier and uh, walk him out. And they're going to say Fed Chairman Powell is the most beautiful man in the world. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you think about inflation. Or does he raise interest rates? So he's going to be big in the news on Wednesday. Wednesday, Thursday, we get U.S.-China trade talks resuming in Washington. Then Friday, we get the January employment situation report. And I'm excited by that. I know you're saying, wow, it's easy to get you excited. Well, 
probably won't be as, I don't know if it'll be as complete because of the government shutdown, but we'll find out, or the government reopening. But jobs are important, and uh, they're important for the stock market moving in the direction of higher over your lifetime. But there's some negative bias out there today, and it's hard to put your finger on it other than saying Caterpillar. So NVIDIA had a slippage. We'll talk about that. Stock market's running a little strong this year. You know when your horse at the Kentucky Derby jumps out to a big lead? And uh, doing better than expected. You're like, cool it down, Nelly. Cool it down, Nelly. We don't have to win the race. The race is only 20% over. So that's the way I'm kind of seeing January. We've had a very good month. Um, All things considered, especially from where we started. 800-516-1220 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Uh, one of uh, Mark Zuckerberg's old Harvard classmates, uh, Aaron Greenspan, published a report last week claiming that more than half of Facebook accounts were fake. <laughs> Facebook instantly responded saying it was unequivocally wrong. Say what? Greenspan claims to have had the original idea for Facebook, and it has been an outspoken critic of the social networks. If you go back in the movies, uh, you'll you'll see this guy as, I know you're saying movie. Yeah, there's a movie on the founding of Facebook. You might have heard of it. But he says Facebook doesn't really have 2.2 billion users. It's half that. Um, Now, Facebook will say, sure, there's some fake accounts. About 2% of all accounts are fake. Uh, But that undermines a little bit of you know a, the information that's being shared and the information that's not being shared to say it politely um, I know someone a reporter re- recently reached out to Amazon and said what exactly do you do with all that credit card data that you have on your customers and there was no answer there was crickets there were crickets if you know what I'm saying so 800-516-1220 to each calls on there. The shutdown cost the economy at least $11 billion, including a permanent $3 billion, $3 billion loss that will not be recovered. So says the Congressional Budget Office. CBOE projected economic growth will slow this year to about 2.3% compared to 3.1% last year as the new benefits from the tax loss start to fade. So the economy is going to start sputtering a little bit. And uh, some Democrats would say, just in time for the election in 2020. Maybe. Amongst the most largest and most direct negative effects are federal workers who face delayed compensation and private sector entities that lost business. Then you get into all the minutia and you say, how about the people who have the food trucks and stuff like that for people? And they were eating at home for a couple of weeks. It, it hits, right? So one last story I want to hit briefly is NVIDIA right here. They're tanking 15%. They've cut guidance, citing deteriorating, deteriorating, deteriorating economic conditions in China. I'm Tom Brokaw. I'm Tom Brokaw. NVIDIA is growing to a list of U.S. companies that say they're facing challenging situations with the revenue in China. So the company, NVIDIA, is going to report their earnings on the 14th of this month. And they've cut their guidance from $2.7 billion down to $2.2 billion. That's $500 million, right? And they say the headwinds are in gaming and data centers. Apple issued a rare revenue warning earlier this month tied towards slowdowns in China. Caterpillar, 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 I'm Tom Brokaw, 
pointing to a lower demand in China. NVIDIA saying lower demand in China. A lot of people are saying turbulent. Now, NVIDIA is big enough that if they say there's some headwinds in gaming and data centers, some other companies that are in gaming and data centers like Broadcom, AMD, and Micron all falling today. Um, so NVIDIA is kind of a, a I'm not going to say a grenade because it's the wrong analogy, but maybe. Maybe they're a big enough grenade that you drop them into a, a, a warning revenue and some of the shrapnel hits the other companies around them, for, for better or for worse. Maybe their guidance is more conservative. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and your money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. Do you remember growing up seeing Smucker's ads? I do. It's like old guys and they're in the peach field or something like that. Or is that Bartles and James? I don't even know anymore. My childhood is just a blur of advertising and commercials. Bernstein is a big analyst group that I follow their research. They uh, published a report today saying that Smuckers and Mondelez are the food companies most unprepared for Amazon. Hmm. That's pretty interesting, right? Bernstein saying 5 to 6% of U.S. packaged food sales in the future should go towards e-commerce. You don't just have to buy your toilet paper and your paper towels on Amazon, right? And J.M. Smucker and Mondelez are the food company's worst position to compete with Amazon when it comes to selling their packaged foods online. Amazon's a big old disruptor. The private label shelf space will normalize. But it's worthy of note since acquiring Whole Foods in 2017, Amazon has kind of been promoting the grocery store's private label brand online and developing its own private label lines. McCormick took the top spot in Bernstein's rankings because of its strong online presence and overlying strength in the seasoning categories. So who's at risk, who's not at risk? Hershey's and McCormick, not so much. Smuckers and Mondelez, more so. I don't know. It's worthy of note. Um, again, just to watch the disruption. Say hello to CFP, Chad Burton. Talk a little second homes, vacation homes. Chad? Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. He is a certified financial planner. It's the designation that I really think is the best designation out there for coming up with a financial plan. Now, Chad, I myself am now in that position where I've got a little extra money, so I'm thinking vacation home. Sometimes the thought of a timeshare comes into my head, I'm like, instantly kill it, because that they just got a bad reputation in the 90s, um, in the 80s. Then I start thinking about, do I really want a vacation home? Because isn't that going to be a 30-year financial commitment? I could probably Airbnb it, and real estate does well over 30 years. But I'm also getting to that age of retirement. What should I know about my itch to get some into real estate? Well, you know, to, to be able to do a vacation home, Rob, which is a, you know, it might be an appreciating over asset over time and it will over time. But the problem is, is there's a lot of cash outflow requirements. There's maintenance, there's taxes, there's insurance, there's often another loan. You have to be really careful to make sure that you're really financially able to buy a negative cash flow property just for pure enjoyment. Because yeah. I don't think people realize the cost of having a vacation home often. And I would say from the majority of the people that I've worked with over time, 
they just don't use their vacation home as much as they thought. The people that do are the ones that have one at a lake or at a you know place where they're skiing constantly, and it's, it's within three hours of where they live. And it's around kids' events too, where the kids really, really want to go. Um, because you know, if you have younger kids, for example, and you think that this is going to be great, they're going to want to do this, and all of a sudden they're in four different sports by the time they're twelve, and your weekends are pretty much shot. Um, and you would have been better off going potentially out of state, buying some positive cash flow real estate where you put 20, 30% down traditional loan after paying a property manager, you have positive cash flow right. after taxes, insurance, everything. And that's great. Cause then you've got this asset sitting there, um, that somebody else is paying for, for you. It's not maybe a huge amount of income now, but later on when you retire, the kids are in college or out of college. Maybe you uh, say, okay, I'm going to sell this rental home where I've got some great income. Maybe you 1031 exchange it to an area where you eventually want to have a second home. Okay. You rent it out for a few more years and then eventually you know, move into it as a second home. So, And then that way you've kind of gone into that property, that ideal property for a second home later in life without a big tax consequence. And without a lot of regret, because with Airbnb and things like that, yeah, unless you're going constantly, why have the maintenance? Now, some people are so wealthy, they have enough cash, they've already saved enough in stocks and 401ks and Roths that they're fine, whether or not they have positive cash flow or slightly negative cash flow from their real estate, they're going to be okay. But that takes some careful planning and some, you know, a second opinion from somebody that's not trying to sell you the real estate. I'm going to have to sit down with you and get your second opinion because I'm itching for Tahoe. Because it's got skiing, it's got wet skiing, it's got water skiing, it's got snow skiing, it's got, you know, the out of the big city feel, it's got great restaurants, it's got a lot of the positives that I'm looking for. But at the same time, like you said, I don't really want to deal with the maintenance and Airbnb is okay, but then that becomes another kind of job that I don't have a lot of time for. Uh, but let me tell you what the realtor told me when I looked at some places in Tahoe. She said, I said, what's the appreciation been like around here? And she said, it's kind of like a Picasso. In 30 years, it'll be higher. But you're paying a lot up front. And I'm like, whoa. It's kind of like <laughs> that was a Picasso. a good way to put it. Yeah. That was a very honest, good way to put it. I like it. I do too. And um, I think the other one was I said, what percentage of homes here are rentals? And she said, probably about 90, 95%. And I'm like, no one lives there. It's all rental. So if I go into it thinking I'm going to be a rental mogul king. I'm not because there's a lot of competition. Because in my place in Raleigh, which you know is a rental, um, the person who's renting it from me is paying the mortgage for sure. It's 50% that's going into equity. That's awesome. But also I've undercut the price there cause it's, it's, it's got good demand, but not great demand. But in, you know, like a Tahoe, it's just, it's got too much competition. Supply and demand plays into vacation homes is what I'm trying to get at in a long winded way. Right. And if you got that vacation home there, I mean, if you're, I think I know you, you ski maybe once a year, once every two years, <laughs> four times, four times this year. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. So that, but it's still four, four times the cost of that home. If you're not going to do the Airbnb thing and you know, which everybody is, it seems like, um, you get, go through a slow economic season. You got to assume that you're going to have slow seasons and it's not going to cover itself always. Um, if you have another bad snow year, this last snow year was amazing, but, um, the year before that, not so much. So how would it do in that point in time. Again, it's, you, you got to make, when you're doing your financial projections, you got to assume, um, a constant worst case scenario when it comes to 
doing something like an Airbnb on your rental property or in your vacation home yeah. to see how much cost it's going to cover. Also, if you use it more than 14 days a year, you can't you can't treat it like a rental property where you're able to depreciate it and take all those other tax benefits. I didn't know that. Yeah. So there's there's a 14-day uh, use issue that you got to become aware of if you're going to do that whole vacation home, but I'm going to rent it out sometimes and think you're going to get a great tax benefit. Nope. You're basically going to end up with taxable income on when you rent it. And also when, how about if you give it to like friends and family or coworkers? Does that count as the 14 days or is that kind of like a charitable deduction? I would say consult your CPA on that one. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I, so out of this segment, I got that I should take my money and put 20% down on a rental property that's cash flow positive. Out of this segment, I got that just use Airbnb for my vacations. Um, is that the bottom line kind of? Yeah. I mean, I would start looking at you know additional homes that are not pot cash, positive cash flow once you kind of get into that uh, I'm wealthier phase where you know you know, this money that you're using to buy that vacation home, that yeah. second, that third home isn't even necessary. It could go to zero and you'd be okay yeah. with all the other assets that you've accumulated. And before you've done it, you've had done a very careful financial plan with detailed cash flow and tax projections to, so you can really truly know what the tax issues are with rental properties too. A lot of people think they're going to get depreciation every year, but when you make over a certain amount, all of that depreciation is suspended and you don't get to use it until you sell the property. So there's a lot of tax issues that go into real estate. Thanks very much for the tough love. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And I want to mention this briefly and not get you panicked. But the U.S. housing market took a really dark turn now that we're looking back in 2018. Can you be honest with yourself and see it? And maybe not in your neighborhood, but sometimes that's kind of like the wrong way to play. The U.S. housing market took a dark turn in 2018 as home buying fell off a cliff and mortgage lenders saw a steep decline in applications, originations, and profits. Interest rates are partly to blame as the cost of the money went up to you and the cost being, you know, they make their money not just by giving it to you but charging you interest, right? As the cost of interest went up, your affordability went down. We saw about a 10.3% decline in existing home sales sold last year. I don't know if you know any realtors, but it, I hope that they're impacted by this on some level, so it's, it's spread across the board. Can't all be Bob. You know Bob, that super sales guy. Steepest decline in more than seven years, down 10.3%. And it kind of got worse in October and November when we look back at the statistics. Now, again... I'm not saying your house is going to go down in value because that pisses people off. I'm saying I'm expecting mine to go down. Home sales dropped in every month in 2018 except for February. So you can't really say, well, it was a cold year or it's a hot year or there were storms every single month. Banks with large mortgage lending businesses felt the home buying malaise. So Wells Fargo mortgage banking income fell by, fell by about 50%, $467 million. Wells Fargo is the king of, I'm not going to say fraud, but they got in some bad, bad publicity with what was fraud. <laughs> Employees opening accounts using uh, customers' non-agreements. Anyhow and anyway, stay tuned. Let's take a look at some stocks when we come back. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. 
Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I can tell you one commercial you'll want to get up and go get chips during the Super Bowl. I don't think I'm going to watch the Super Bowl this year. I think I may have finally jumped the shark of the Super Bowl. Super Bowl ad for Michelob Ultra's organic beer is going to be the one commercial that I think you're going to want to miss. And it's interesting that I say this because I'm a fan of beer. McLeod's Ultra Organic Beer is making a Super Bowl debut. The debutante bowl. That's terrible. It's going to be Zoe Kravitz. The commercial's really, really slow and shows like trickling water. It's like a nice stream. It's interesting that they're doing this and they're going with an organic beer for what they're trying to push. you got to imagine this is kind of small potatoes to... You know, um, from Michelob Ultra. Michelob Ultra's organic beer. It's going to be a big moment of calm. Zoe Kravitz is going to be in the commercial. Alcohol consumption in the United States continues to fall. Dilly dilly. Dilly dilly. Dilly dilly. Dilly dilly. Dilly dilly. Alcohol consumption of beer is a category that is getting hit pretty tough. Now, I did, I did like the dilly dilly. But this commercial is so slow. You could, like, go to sleep to it. Zoe Kravitz. Zoe Kravitz, which you, you might remember for that Big Little Eyes, that HBO show. I think that's what it is, right? Or you may want to remember her from Mad Max. Or you may remember her as Lenny Kravitz and Lisa Bonet's daughter. Awesome. Arr! And she talks kind of like this during the commercial. Now, something tells me that Pepsi... Well, again, for the way, um, organic beer, um, pure gold has surpassed $59 million in sales. So it, it's, it, it is kind of winning right now. And people are saying, hey, I'd like really crystal clear, good beer that's organic. Mm, you can Michelob Ultra. But with that being said, it's only 88 calories, and you could probably you know, pay me to lose weight, and I'd be like, ooh. But um, PepsiCo, on the other hand, they didn't hire... Zoe Kravitz to whisper and talk about how great their beer is. PepsiCo, they've hired Cardi B. <laughs> oh, something tells me that's not going to be a quiet commercial. If you know Cardi B and I know Cardi B, um, it's going to be interesting to watch. The pure gold ad coming back to that is McLeod Ultra's total Super Bowl airtime is going to only be 75 seconds. Ain't that something? Now, the other Michelob Ultra ad is going to target U.S. Latinas. It's kind of interesting, right? Of how targeted we are. And uh, here comes the bud. Here comes the bud. You know, last year, Bud Light handed out free beer to the winning city. Oh, I'm moving to New Orleans. Who's going to win the Super Bowl? Wait, who's in the Super Bowl? I just mess that one up. Don't bet on New Orleans if you're in Vegas right now. The Rams? I wouldn't bet on the Rams either. You got to go Tom Brady, right? He's so good looking. Wow, 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 wow. So Bud Light gave out free beer to the winning city Philadelphia last year for their Super Bowl parade. (laughs) 
I bet you didn't have to convince too many uh, Philadelphians uh, to take them up on that offer. Just my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. Let's take a quick look at uh, so the falling home price thing that I want to kind of talk a little bit more about. Um, it, it's a real thing, and don't shoot the messenger. And again, I'm not saying that it's going to be your house. If I were psychic, I'd be kind of getting some feelings right now. Like, I should probably sell my house. I should probably sell my house. I should probably have my, sell my house. But I'm not. 2018, we saw existing home sales crater to $4.99 million, which was 10% below the year before. And it got worse as October and November rolled on. The decline has been broad. It's affected every single region, even in the posh neighborhoods of the Hamptons. In 2018, they got bombasted. Wells Fargo saw their mortgage making income fall 50%. JP Morgan saw mortgage income fall to $203 million, a 46% drop. Those are some ugly numbers, and that should raise flags for people who are like, real estate's the best thing I own. And if you've got leveraged loans right now, if you have hard money, be careful. I would at least look for the exits. Too soon to head for the exits, but I would start looking for them. Significant housing declines have foreshadowed 9-11 post-World War II recessions. So statistically saying, now might be the time to kiss up to your boss. Mike is so big and strong, he's a great boss. Don't! Not you, Mike Matthews, the other Mike. So the U.S. economy has been exceptionally strong. Thank you, I'm running for president. I'm Howard Schultz, and I approve this message. Man, I wonder if Howard Schultz knows what he's getting into. Would you like some coffee? He got on 60 Minutes last night and um, kind of said, I want to restore some dignity to the position of the president. So he's announced his plan for a 2020 run. I think he's incredibly electable from my 20 years plus following Starbucks. And Trump tweeted, Howard Schultz doesn't have the guts to run for president. <laughs> Schultz responded, I've, been, I've become bored with President Trump and his tweets. Yes, I watch 60 Minutes in 5-Minute Spurts. I can do 60 in 5. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525.